Enneagrams are so hot right now from entire Instagram accounts dedicated to your type. They're even showing up in the job market. We're seeing a lot of candidates using the Enneagram to identify what type of work is right for them. So tune into this episode as I meet with an Enneagram expert and military spouse to uncover the secrets behind every Enneagram type and help you understand yourself a little bit better. Virtual employment is here to stay. I'm military spouse, VertForce founder, and your remote work expert, Kimber Hill. Subscribe now to learn how you too can thrive in the virtual workforce. Today, we have Kristen Earp, such a good friend of mine. She's a leadership development coach and trainer who works with military spouses active service members and veterans to help align their performance with their potential. So she's a military spouse herself. When we first met, she had been a spouse for 17 years and we had this fun little surreal moment where at the beginning of this conversation, she said, you know, I am almost a 20 year mill spouse now. She has two kids and they've been through countless moves. I've personally been working with Kristen for several several years and um, she's helped take my personal and professional development and growth to the next level. So Kristen, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Kimber. Thank you for having me. All right, let's dive into this Enneagram thing. Tell me a little bit more about how you use the Enneagram in your work. Yeah, I I support, as you've already said, uh, a lot of the mill spouse community uh, and active duty veterans, but I also support leaders and teams and different organizations uh, with their development and Enneagram is a part of that. Uh, so today what we're going to do is talk about the Enneagram and how it can support you in your career journey. So I think that's where we're heading, right? Yeah. So first things first you know, what is the Enneagram? I mean, the first time I heard it, heard it, I was like, okay, it must just be a silly personality test. Let me go take one. What do all these numbers mean? I don't get it. Can you help me understand it? Yes, I can. And let me go ahead and just share my screen. Am I showing you the right thing? Yes. Okay, perfect. Uh, so let's Let's actually talk about what it is not. I think that's always like the best place to start. So it's not a test, it's not an assessment, um, and no one is reduced to a number. Each of us has a core self, we're unique, and the Enneagram helps us to kind of like get out of the box of our personality type that sometimes we can put ourselves into the box. Uh, so it helps us become more flexible and creative rather than just falling into habitual patterns of thinking and thoughts and feelings. So that's that's what it is not. Okay, I'm glad that you did that because listener, the first time that the Enneagram was explained to me, it was explained to me as a tool to map your sins and a tool to map your vices. And that really turned me off, like absolutely turned me off. And I'll tell you why. Um, 
the disc assessment. I had a really negative experience with the disc assessment. I was in a corporate position. They brought in a disc assessment leader who came in and tested all of us and put us in groups according to our types, which like facilitated and reinforced a little bit of toxicity in the workplace by segregating us into groups, types, and cliques. And I hated that. So I've been always very adverse to the DISC assessment since then. Um, so yeah, I've just been very iffy about the Enneagram. Well, and especially when you hear like vice and sin, right? Those are kind of can be strong. And really what that just kind of points to is that the Enneagram has a, has a very long history and there is a it, it kind of roots back into spirituality. Some people will say it's Sufi. Some people will say it's Christianity. Uh, and even there's like philosophy, mathematics. Like, I think it's just strong to say that uh, there's a, a long tradition with Enneagram. It's probably started with some kind of oral tradition uh, and there is debates about it, but that's, that's really where we get that language of vice and sin. Another way to call it is like, maybe you get stuck in a, in a passion. Um, and so that's a little softer. Yeah. I certainly get stuck in my own passions. And I, after working with you and better understanding the Enneagram, I don't, I'm not as turned off by this anymore. I'm actually much more open to exploring who I am and helping myself refine my strengths. Oh, good. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> so let's, do you want to talk about what it is then now that I've told you what it is not? Yeah, I would love to, to break into the rest of your presentation here and understand more about what it does. And also for our listener today too, um, they need to know. Yeah. So this is what it's not. So let's, let's talk about what it is. So the Enneagram is really, uh, it's a map. And as you just saw on the last screen, there's nine numbers. So it's really nine ways of looking at the world. And each of those ways that we look at it um, has their strengths and has their blind spots. So um, what I love about this work though, is that it's so individualized that your journey, each person's journey is going to be different. It really depends on your strengths, your challenges, core motivations, belief, and it's not a one size fits all. That's, that's what I love about it. Uh, so the Enneagram gives us awareness. It's a, it's a, one of those tools that we can use to get awareness. Uh, if we want to create some paradigm shifts, uh, both personal and professional, as you were saying, mm -hmm. uh, but really shift out of assumptions and to make more conscious choices. And when we're doing that, we're going to, we're going to be more successful, more empowered, uh, in our decision. And it also helps us to relate to others. Yeah. That's important for me is to understand where the people that I'm working with are coming from. And I think that's how this is going to apply to your career and your job search is understanding where you're operating out of, what, what section of the map you're working from, and then where your colleagues or potential employers are. But uh, for those who are not watching, we have this great on-screen presentation. For those who are not watching, we're gonna we are gonna talk through all nine types. So um, I want to just pause to bring awareness to Kristen and to you that we will be talking through these two, so you don't necessarily have to be looking on screen with us. 
Yeah, so to just follow up on that, where we're going to go today then, uh, just to it's a couple places, we're going to give a quick overview of how to read the Enneagram, right? So when you're just looking at it, like how to read it, we're going to dive into each of the types. We're going to talk about strengths, blind spots, not only so that you can start to identify maybe where you feel you may fall, uh, but that you can start to go, oh, I know someone that's like that and start to kind of bridge that understanding. And then we're also going to talk about how this can show up in the workplace and possible careers that might allow you to be more yourself. Uh, so as you're going on your career journey, maybe where you might want to look. Awesome. So should we get started with the wisdom types? Yeah, so let's talk about that. You are definitely right. So there's a map and as you can see, there's nine numbers, uh, but you'll see that they're grouped by different colors. So there's like a red section, a green section, a bluish purple section. So what Kimber's alluding to is that these three sections represent our three centers of wisdom. We have gut wisdom, we have heart wisdom, and we have head wisdom. Uh, and so there's a lot of scientific research out there. You can go and check that out. I'm not making this up. We, we have lots of wisdom in our bodies. So the reason I'm even taking a moment to say all this is because as we go through, you may be like confused, say, oh, well, that sounds like me, but this other number sounds like me too. And that's because we all have a tri-type. We have a number in each of these sections that represents our gut wisdom, our heart wisdom, and our head wisdom. But what will happen is one of those will be the one that you lead with in life, and that's considered your Enneagram type. So the first three that we usually look at is the gut wisdom. Those are your eights, nines, and ones. Um, and this is like that instinctual, um, like flight or fight, like you can feel things through your body. Uh, that's what this group is. And the biggest emotion here that, that you can wrestle with as a body type is anger. Uh, so what that means is like eights can have direct access. They can maybe overdo, nines uh, underdo, and ones are in conflict with it. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but that's just showing you the different ways uh, that the body types are with that one. Yes. Yeah, I know that I have. You have a story here. <laughs> I manifest very heavily in the anger, gut, wisdom realm. We'll say that. <laughs> All right. What's More to be said later, the, yes. Yeah, let, tell me about the heart wisdom. Yeah, so the heart wisdom is your two threes and fours. And this is where we have value and meaning in our lives. Like this is when, when your heart feels open or when you feel connected, um, like, you know, when you, you just know something in your heart, the emotion that we can wrestle with here is grief or sadness. That's, that's the one that can, we can really hold in our hearts. Um, and so twos, they, uh, they're in conflict with it. Threes kind of underdo and fours overdue, uh, just to kind of give you a radar of, of that yeah. emotion in your hearts. Is that the same for the gut wisdom? If I'm looking at this map correctly, is it like the ones underdue, the nines are moderate and the eights overdue the gut, the gut and anger? Uh, so going back to that, the eights will overdue, the nines will underdo, and the ones are in conflict uh, with it. 
So it's not the same pairing, I think. Right. It's not the order mm -hmm. of how it's sitting on the order. You just have to memorize it. Okay. (laughs) Or come back and listen to this and you go, oh yeah, that's what it is. And and you'll as we talk about the types, it might become more apparent too. Yeah. So that last the last grouping is the one you were referencing is the head wisdom. That's your five, six, and seven. So Head wisdom is, you know, the one that we kind of maybe even overdo as a society, right? A lot of times we can cut off the heart and and the gut and and spend a lot of time in our head. So this is our ability to presence, um, our mental activity, intelligence. Uh, The core emotion here is safety, fear is kind of what we we pick up here. Um, Five. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just you know, cooing at how important that is right now. Yeah. And, and the way we deal with it, right? So fives will, um, they'll, they're in conflict with it. Like they'll detach, withdraw, whereas sixes can maybe overdo and, um, sevens can underdo it just to kind of give you that same over under conflict. So yeah, as we go through now, Kimber gave me permission, but her type, she is a three, eight, six, uh, but she will, she leads with her, um, her heart, her heart one. So she is considered a type three. Kimber, what, what do you find meaningful here about the different wisdoms or, and, or your type? Well, there's a lot to unpack here for me. Uh, but I can say that I have often found that sometimes I feel um, left out or I feel like the oddball out. I'm not usually going with the flow of traffic if you catch my drift. And I find that in social settings, I find that within my family, I find that within my career priorities. It just seems like in every aspect of life, I'm always swimming in a different direction. And um, I think that one of the, I've played into that, right? I've used that as a strength and I've played into that. I think in my early twenties, I was not in a position where I could play into that strength. But um, in my later twenties, as I built Vert Force and I started to understand what I wanted to do, I built my own environment, right? I built my own community of people who care about the same things that I care about. And I very much realized that vert force is a heart manifestation. So where I'm leading with that three, which is the heart wisdom, it is a manifestation of what my heart told me to do. So I, I find that really interesting and I'd love to dive deeper into, you know, different qualities of these types. Yes. And, and I just to, to comment on what you said is I love the maturity there of where maybe you made yourself wrong for being who you were. Uh, you've now, you underplayed your strength, as you said, it is now that you're, you're in more embracing of, of who you are and the direction you want to go. And, uh, that's really what the Enneagram can allow for us. It can help us to, to normalize and validate who we are so that we can grow and transform and evolve uh, with the way that is important for us to do it. Yeah. So I would say if you're listening to this and we're going to go through the types and you're going to hear yours, or you're probably going to go take a quiz and figure it out. Don't <laughs> fault yourself 
for what you are. If you're not satisfied with what the map says about you, there are ways for you to play into that strength. And whereas, you know, sometimes your strength is your greatest, your greatest strength is your greatest weakness, right? So if you're, if you're looking at it from a perspective of these are my flaws, you just need to be able to flip that and see how beautiful your strengths are and how you can really grow them. Couldn't have said it better. Thank you for that. Yeah. So do you want to dive in? Yeah. Type eight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's dive into the gut wisdom. Um, and we are, we're going to start with type eight. So type eight, this is, these are your tough protectors, um, your challengers, as I'm seeing you smile and identify here. <laughs> yeah. I so have this Gordon Ramsay spirit in me all the time. <laughs> I'm so in touch with my inner Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> There you go. See, and, and there's, there's so many other people that are like here too. This was just one picture to pull up, but what this means is as a strength, you can really focus on the bigger picture that there's, you know, how to yield that power and control. Like you were saying earlier, um, and exerting strength, you see sometimes AIDS, uh, or oftentimes they are protecting the weak. They like to fight for justice. Uh, that's a great use of their power and they can create order out of disorder. So those are just some of the strengths. So yeah, the blind spot, oh, go ahead. I just wanted to describe this picture for anyone listening. It's it's a picture of Gordon Ramsay and he has a bright red background and he's not frowning or scowling. He's just kind of directing his energy toward the camera and you can really feel it. Sorry to interrupt you, Kristen. No, you're right. There's an edginess there's sort of a bring it on. I kind of got this, but not in a super aggressive way, but like, I'm here to meet, I'm here to meet the challenge. I agree. Yes. There is a... So the blind spot uh, with the tough protectors, the type eights are, are typically that they're not in touch with their vulnerability. Um, they can tend to avoid being vulnerable or weak. So they overcompensate with strength. Um, and so you can see like, as you were saying before, sometimes our strengths can, can also be our, our, our weaknesses. So they can dominate situations and maybe have that larger than life presence. And they can often get feedback that they're intimidating and usually they're not trying to be, uh, but that's, that's kind of the feedback they can get. Yep. I get that feedback back a lot. One of my former managers told me, Kimber, when you walk into the room, you suck the air out of it. And I was like, gee, okay, thanks. I'll work on that. <laughs> I'll work on letting other people breathe. I was, I was there's a lot to, yeah, that's a loaded yeah. one. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. I, anyway, let's no, well, <laughs> well, and part of that is, is, you know, maybe different for you because we've talked about instinct, but uh, I, you can read the room too. I make up so you can see, but workplace, here's where. Maybe uh, to not get stereotypical, uh, eights are the boss. They are natural leaders. So that leader that you saw in yourself early on, uh, and maybe weren't quite in acceptance yet, uh, they have unmatched willpower and they are not afraid to disrupt the status quo. They can enter the tough conversations and they're not afraid of hard work. So 
with that, the flip side of it too, is that they're not always the first to make friends with their coworkers. Uh, they can get easily bored um, and often enjoy a high, uh, like a fast paced, stimulating environment. Mm. So if you are looking for a career and you are more of the aid or you're evaluating your current career, uh, notice that ones that give you more autonomy and freedom, maybe around social justice or entrepreneurship or some kind of leadership position may be a little bit more in alignment with where you are with as an eight. Absolutely. So you know, yeah, go ahead. I totally agree with you. I found being an eight, it and we're not just going to talk about my types, but just because I do identify with this one, being an eight, it was always really hard for me to make friends at work. Um, those people who were my friends at work were understanding. They were like, Kimber, we, we know, like we get you. We know that you just really care about what you do. Uh, and we accept that. But people who couldn't accept that, we just didn't, we rubbed, we rubbed the wrong way. Right. Um, but yeah, and that was in my early career and I found it really hard to fit in, but as I really blossomed into what I'm called to do and what I'm meant to do, it served me very well. Great. So, and as you, and as with any of these types there, as we talked about, maybe not using the words sin and vice, but when we get stuck in the passion of overusing, uh, you know, the, the, the strength. Uh, then, then we have to find that way to balance, right? The the way to to use our vulnerability and and uh, as a strength too, right? We know that being vulnerable is also um, very important. Absolutely. So, yeah, these are our eights. So here's our nines. Nines are considered the adip adaptive diplomat, the peacekeeper. So I have Barack Obama up here as an example of uh, the adaptive diplomat. And their strengths, they uh, seek harmony. They want to maintain a sense of calmness and connectedness. Mm -hmm. These are your go with the flow, right? So maybe if you were around a lot of nines growing up, there was maybe this go with the flow and you were like, why don't I fit in here? Because they have this way of let's not rock the boat. They're great at mediating and diffusing conflicts. The blind spots, though, for a nine uh, is that there is a challenge of being in touch with themselves. They Their desire to keep the harmony uh, can maybe not factor in their own needs. So what happens is, is they can this can lead to a buildup and they can get very passive aggressive. So before when I said that eights can overdo anger and nines underdo, when they underdo, it leaks out as this passive aggressive behavior because it's still there. They just they don't, they're not access, they don't have like a direct access to it. So in the workplace, nines are supportive. They're, they're, they have a great sense of morale, team spirit in their working environments. They're kind of like happy if the group is happy and they're their master at keeping peace and encouraging others. However, if they dislike their workplace, they may take longer than most uh, or most to quit or to talk to their boss because they're conflict avoiders. They like to take their time with decisions and evaluate all the sides, which can lead to procrastination. Uh, so getting to the point isn't their specialty 
and they can struggle to find joy in their work if the demands are too much or if they get overwhelmed. So ideal careers for them would be ones that focus on collaborative environments that are team-based or um, have that kind of peace and calm that they want. Now I'll tell you, nine is my type. This is me. Uh, so I, I always find it funny when it says getting to the point isn't their strong suit. I, I can totally relate to that. So keep me on track if I'm not getting to the point. But the path that I've chosen as a leadership coach very much aligns with my type. It really does help me to create that harmony that people are looking for in their lives, the the transformation that they want. So yeah, yeah I, I've worked with several nines about three in the last two years on my team internally. And I have found that um, communication uh, of you know getting to the point and communicating what's really on their mind or what they're really thinking does seem to be um, something they hold back on a little bit, which is interesting. Yes. And you'll start to notice that you need all types at work because you, you do want your peacekeeper. You do want that person that's going to look for the harmony. You are going to want the one that pushes forward. That's like your eight so far that we've talked about. Uh, and so that, you know, there is a, a harmony in having um, a diverse workforce and in, in really having all the types. So you, you have them all represented. Yeah. yeah. Let's take a look at the one. Yeah. So the last one in this is the one it's they're the meticulous judge or the perfectionist mm -hmm. and i have a picture of nelson uh, mandela on here where he's about to like make a point um and so he's kind of in that like not judging but let me let me tell you uh where i have something to say about that so were you gonna say something well i have a fun fact um every single one of my core team members is a one why? Yes. I have no idea. <laughs> so it's interesting. Those are the kinds of questions you can ask yourself. Like, uh, like, what does that say about me? Or what does that say about workforce? Right? If yeah. we, if we attract ones, you know, that's something interesting to dig into. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know more. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, and so the strength of a one is that they're very well-intentioned. They are sincere in wanting to improve themselves and the world around them. Uh, they have high, high integrity, passion, dedication, um, and high standards. Love it. So Describes <laughs> everyone I want working for me. <laughs> So the blind spot for them can be that they can overdo their focus on control and judgment and it undermines their inner peace. Hmm. So they can be harshly critical. There can be this harshly critical side of like, this is right, this is wrong, or you know, black or white kind of a thing. And they can get stuck in that or in the details and then lose sight of the bigger picture. In the workplace, ones may look like the ones who um, have self-control, they're following the rules and they're gonna help others to do that too. Uh, they thrive in environments where they feel are fair. Communication is straightforward and there's high structure. They like to know what's expected of them so they can not only meet the expectation, but they can exceed the expectation. 
But their critical side or nature to, to do the right thing um, can look like self-criticism or criticizing others. So there is that a little bit. Uh, ones can have problems with like irritation, frustration, or sarcasm because the way they deal with anger is uh, they don't really, they're in conflict with it. It's maybe considered bad, right? If they're looking at things like here's the right way, here's the wrong way, anger is considered bad. So it comes out in irritation or frustration because really getting angry is maybe not okay. Mm. Ideal careers would be ones where details are important. Maybe like quality control, investigative, things like that. And so how does that fit knowing now you're eight to your one so far? So I feel very well educated on the gut wisdom. And <laughs> I also feel very much more heightened and sensitive to what the undertones of my team's communication may mean something totally different to them than what it means to me. Uh, sarcasm to me is just for fun. But if my ones are using sarcasm, that could be an indication that there's some underlying frustration that we're not meet that that I need to to meet as an employer. I need to to be sensitive to. Yeah, and even throwing it back to them, they might not even notice that they're using that because that's just a way for them to diffuse that anger. Like you can, you know, maybe even ask, is there something here that's frustrating? Uh, that might be a point for you as like you know, just to kind of gauge as well. Yeah. Um, and and I've them. never asked that question. I have never asked that question. So I, I'm going to put that in my repertoire of things to bring up with my team. Awesome. Awesome. So let's move into the next grouping, unless there's anything more here in the gut wisdom that you want to look at. No, I'm. let's move. I'm excited about getting to the heart. Okay, heart good. <laughs> I'm so corny. <laughs> it's all good. We, so types two, three, and four, these are our heart wisdom. So this is again, where, uh, the relationship to maybe grief or sadness is what is, is where we hold in our heart. So two, uh, these are your supportive cheerleaders, your helpers. And the picture we have up here is uh, Mother Teresa. She's probably the best example I could find um, of being that supportive helper. So the strengths here are just what you would imagine. They're genuine in their ability to listen to others. They empathize with other people's feelings and their superpower is really, they are an excellent friend, really. They will go to great lengths uh, to take care of and support the people they love. They get a lot of things done and they strive to do really well. The blind spots though for a two or what can be challenging for them is to know their own needs. They really just don't know what they need or how they feel. They tend to avoid feeling rejected, disliked, disapproved of, and so they throw themselves into really helping others. Uh, so that's, so they spend so much time there, they're not doing that internal spending. So workplace. Uh, they deeply care about building relationships. That is what's important to them, like creating that space for that to happen with coworkers and bosses. Uh, they're very diplomatic and skilled at delivering messages that people can hear. So they're the ones you want to be the spokesperson when you have a maybe a, a message that you want people to hear. Uh, however, they tend to avoid expressing feelings or being direct. It's very uncomfortable. 
because they like to make people feel good. Uh, so if they're your boss, uh, it can kind of two ways, like it, as a boss of a two, it can be hard to give constructive feedback because they're going to take it really hard. But as a, as a leader who's a two, it can be hard to give it uh, because you want to make people happy. Um, so some things that can happen here is maybe some manipulation or half truths because they want to, you know, make it nice, nice. Ideal careers for them would allow for them to have that relationship building, the impacts that they want, having that helpful attitude. Uh, so working for an organization they deeply believe in is probably most fulfilling for them. Now I'll tell you, this is part of my tri-type. Um, so my heart wisdom is a two. Again, the career that I've chose with coaching and training really does allow me to have that like service to others that I can give um, in a way that feels authentic to me. And I love seeing light bulbs go off and people making connections. That's just such a, such the return on investment for me. I love that. I believe our uh, social community manager is a two. And that's such a good place to be because those services that we offer in our social networks are very focused on the person who's raising their hand and saying, hey, I need some help and I need some guidance. So we're looking for someone who cares passionately about that and enjoys it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, such a good call out for uh, a career that could help someone because there's it's all about relationships. Yeah. It's all about relationships. Yeah. I will go and read some of the messages that she sends the candidates who are asking for help. And I will think I would have never taken the time to give that much detail. I'm so glad that she responded to that and not me because mine would have been maybe two sentences where hers is three paragraphs of help support references resources and i'm just like yeah this is you not me this is your calling not mine <laughs> and it probably comes easy it, it's again it's their superpower to just have that like i said be that excellent friend be that that resource and, and so what you're talking about here too is even in the workplace playing to people's strengths right so the two strengths um and and helping them you know excel in in those areas too i love that so three this is your type kimber the ambitious taskmaster slash achiever so maybe we say ambitious achiever <laughs> uh oprah winfrey is also in your company so i think it's probably easy to see, you know, with all that she's accomplished and all that she does, uh, how she's an ambitious achiever as well. And here she is wearing red. Red is my color, guys. I don't have red on today. I should have. But just like Gordon was, I think he was in white on a red background. Oprah is here in red on a bright orange background and she's glowing. Oh, I didn't even plan that. I had no idea. We'll have to see what your tri-type is wearing. <laughs> Probably not, red, but a little bit of a coincidence. But the strength of a three is they're extremely competent and effective doers. They get a lot done and they certainly make it look easy, even if there's a lot of effort there. Uh, their superpower, so to say, is the ability to make things happen. They find the most direct path to the goal, remove the obstacles, and honestly look good doing it. 
So that is the strength of a three. Whereas the blind spot is the strength. This is where you said before, can sometimes be the blind spot. They exhaust themselves by working too hard and it can be extremely hard for them to slow down. So in doing that, they can lose sight of who they are. Uh, they start to adopt this image or their goals as their identity. Um, and then it can be really hard to differentiate like who their authentic self is from uh, maybe the role that they're doing. And I see you maybe having a thought on that. <laughs> my, my, my personal epiphany. <laughs> no, I don't think, I don't think any truer words have ever been said to me um, that your goals can be adopted into your identity and you have a hard time separating who you are from what your goals are. That is such a blind spot for me. Um, and this is my primary type. So I don't think we touched on this, but while you have, you know, you triangulate on this map and you have three types, um, three is where I lead from three is where I align myself the most. And I have a lot to say about this, but maybe I should save it for another conversation. <laughs> so in the workplace, how you show up or how threes tend to show up are the high achievers. They usually have high profile positions. They're more likely to have more than one career going on or more than one effort. And they can really be inspiring to others to, to do the same. And they can make fast decisions. Uh, they're pretty good at that. What we can also see though, is um, while they avoid experiencing their real feelings, because sometimes uh, feelings can get in the way of being successful or they suspend, I should say, maybe their emotions, they can be seen as hard hearted or maybe insensitive in the race of getting all the things done, um, maybe even over competitive. Those are some things that it could look like. Ideal yeah. careers. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, all of this is true. <laughs> and please push back where it's not, you know, just because, you know, and this is the fun part of Enneagram. Sometimes people don't agree, right, with what's going on. So definitely push back too. But they will enjoy roles that give them room to grow um, and have a team. Uh, they, I would say, though, that if you have threes in your lives uh, or the suggestion should be that they find a job that really encourages work-life balance so that they do not burn themselves out. They don't run that risk of, of going into unhealthy habits, but they, they need uh, roles or careers that are going to push them past the status quo, uh, give them an opportunity to motivate others, use their voice for good. Uh, that's where they're really alive. What other things do you want to add here? Yeah. Well, I just want to say if you're a three and you're listening or watching watching this, I am sure that all of this is ringing as true for you as it does for me. I think Kristen and I are going to have a follow-up conversation where we dissect this. But what I really want to play into here is that I think the blind spots here are being framed a little bit I, don't, I think I, that early in my career, they were definitely problems for me. Over competitiveness, obsessiveness, aligning myself in a place where my goals were my identity. 
So earlier in my career, those were issues that were problematic for me in the workforce. They were problematic for my marriage. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, the, the positive thing about the three is that because you are so results oriented, because you are so flexible and driven, um, you have the ability to take those things that, you know, might fall into that obsessive space for you and say, Hey, my new goal is not to let this become an obsession. And my new goal is to enjoy my life and, and not allow the things that drive me from nine to five be a part of my, um, six to eight, you know, my 6 PM to 8 AM life. Um, but, you know, also, I think I had a lot of issues in my early career relating to other people and going back to what Kristen said earlier is that you do all of this and you make it look easy, but um, that makes it harder for other people to relate to you. So I believe that this is really why in the, the, the majority of my life, I've been, I've felt like that outsider and kind of on the, the cusp or on the edge, but I don't want to talk too much about myself. I just want to say, Kristen, you're giving me a lot of insight. You're helping me understand the challenges that I've had. And I appreciate that. So thank you. Yes. Um, and no, and thank you because helping people relate to the type is really what it is. And what I heard through all of that from your twenties to maybe present day is that while success is important, you've changed your definition, right? So you've included things now that maybe weren't there in your twenties. It's a different focus now. And, and that happens too, is as we grow, we have different priorities, different values. And um, and you get to change that word of what you know, success looks like. Yeah. Success and ambition from 20 to 25 looks very different for success and ambition, 30 to 35, yeah. you know, I am ambitiously building my family, right. And building a life that I can just love, you know, I'm, I'm in my Oprah zone. <laughs> well put. I love it. Amber's <laughs> making a big O right now to show her Oprah zone. <laughs> so let's, let's round out the heart types with type four, which is our sensitive maverick, uh, the individualist. So I have a Steve Jobs here. Um, we may, you may have heard stories of him, you know, kind of the more dramatic, right? We've, we've heard some of, of those kinds of stories come from him. They're, the strength of a four is that they're emotionally empathetic. Uh, they often feel deeply what's going on with themselves or what's going on with other people. They're very intuitive that way. So these are your truth tellers. They will speak inconvenient truths and they'll speak like truth to power. They also focus on self-expression. There's this want of being special or unique um, or what is beautiful and aesthetically pleasing. So that's that's really important. Blind spots can be that they can over-focus their attention on their internal experience or their emotions. If you remember when I was saying under and over, threes underdo maybe their grief or sadness, fours can overdo it. Um, they can get stuck there, get really connected. So it can be challenging for them to manage very strong emotions, um, like highs, highs, low lows type. They also have a habit of noting, noticing what is missing. 
and comparing, which can make it really hard for them to stay in the present because they're, they're kind of comparing the have and have not type situations. So in the workplace, fours make the workplace special and meaningful. They have this way of connecting uh, the organizational values to what you're doing. They really help you to find the purpose. Uh, they're very inspiring uh, to teams. Now, the flip side a little bit is that they can make emotional decisions. Um, and so they may want to choose to wait on a course of action if they're feeling pretty strongly about it. Uh, because they feel their feelings, remember high highs, low lows, uh, they could maybe insert drama where otherwise it would be a normal, uh, just an ordinary experience. So you have- Can I, I, can I say yeah. I'm relating to this one too? I really am like the high highs, the low lows leading with, you know, I don't want to make a decision until my feelings about it have subsided, until the feelings are calm. I'm relating to this and I definitely think I've dated a four. <laughs> so I'm, what you're <laughs> I'm looking at my my spreadsheet here to see how many of my current and previous team members have been a four and I've never worked with one. No one has four, but mm. I, I very much feel that I might have dated a four in the past. <laughs> well, and so what you're kind of leading into, which we work, which we're not going to talk too much here about is that the four is your wing. So as a three, your two and your four is what helps balance you. Um, and there's all different ways we can go with it. So if you feel like you're leaning more into your four these days, you can do some fun self-examination, like where was the four in your twenties? You know, was that something you leaned into? Um, or are you finding that wing, they call them wings, are you leaning more into that wing now as you get, as you get older? Um, so where is I? Oh yeah, ideal careers. So ideal careers for a four uh, would be a way that they can contribute in a unique way. They really do have that need to, to feel like they're putting something special or unique out there and they need to have freedom to create. Uh, because they care about authentic authenticity, they will struggle if the company they work for, they don't believe in it. Fours tend to be creative, uh, so field and maybe digital design, architecture, writing, dance, music, videography. I'm sure there's a whole ton of creative fields that, that would allow them to have this. Anything more, Kimber, as we wrap up this, this section? No, I think that Steve Jobs is such a great juxtaposition next to the four because it paints this beautiful picture of the strengths and blind spots of the four. Thank you for taking the time to explain all three of the heart wisdoms. Should we go ahead and talk about the head wisdoms? Yep, they're the last group, the last one. And I like to save them for last because I feel like we go to the head so quickly and easily that I really wanted to bring in the body and the heart first. So let's yeah. wrap this up with the five, six, and seven. So the fives, the fives on the Enneagram are our expert observers, our investigators. I always butcher his name, Mark Zuckersberg. Is that how we say it? Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg. I don't know yeah, why. Yeah, you got it. I up on it. <laughs> so he's my example of a five. 
Um, now, sometimes people will say, well, I, I thought Steve Jobs and him were kind of similar. Now, Steve Jobs, you know, yes, they both were are in software, right? They both had that. But Mark, what sets him apart is um, he's a little bit more reserved, right? Like the way we describe fives sometimes is they kind of are in a castle and they've got the drawbridge up and there's a moat around them and like they're kind of away from everyone. So if we take a look at how detached he is sometimes from society, that's how we know he's a five, unlike Steve who kind of puts his emotions out there or, or did put his emotions out there. So the strengths, I take a moment to, to separate because sometimes people get confused on that. But the strengths of a five are that they're investigators about patterns, connections, they um, bask in this realm of ideas. They love their inner world. They love intellect. Uh, so they can seem detached from the outer world. And the spoiler alert is that they are uh, because they're so, they're just having so much fun in their inner world and their intellect. They absorb like knowledge. Uh, they possess that analytical skills and they can like hyper focus on, on those kinds of subjects. So the blind spot naturally is that they detach. Um, they become over analytical, um, under emotional, right? With maybe connecting with others. They can find it difficult to express themselves emotionally and have rigid boundaries. Now the boundaries are because they want to not have their energy depleted. They really want to have the energy for, for themselves. Uh, Cause again, they love living in that inner world. So in the workplace, fives, they're going to need more alone time than other types, uh, which can make it difficult if they're the boss. They are going to need more alone time, but they are your fast learners. They're going to soak up knowledge. Um, if they're around people for too long, there's too much chaos, they will shut down. These are your types that will kind of just shut down. So, so know that that they're going to pick things up though fast and they're going to, they're going to be your wealth of knowledge. So ideal careers for a five, if you feel like this is where you are identifying, is one with structure um, and space for themselves. That's that's really important. They're likely, they're not likely to enjoy roles where they're gonna be public speaking or there's too many surprises or too much flexibility or too much time with people. Um, they're gonna probably stick more to mathematics, physics, programming, as we see here. Um, highly analytical again. Questions or comments? What do you think, Kimber, about fives? I think, again, I feel like there are things here that I relate to, like needing more alone time. Um, I'm an expert at absorbing things quickly. And the more time that I have to myself, the faster I can make positive and more productive changes in the business. So I, I think that's interesting that you know, you did indicate at the beginning, you are going to be on the spectrum of all nine types and that you are going to find ways that you relate to others. Um, yeah, I, I enjoy learning about, about type five here and learning about how it can be beneficial. Yeah. Uh, and to your point too, I'm not a five either in my tri-type, but I'll feel, I feel like over the pandemic, I've definitely gone here more. Um, and I should also mention, uh, that other kinds of careers that may be good are ones that you 
could detach from emotion. So for example, if you're a surgeon, we would want you to, you know, be able to detach from maybe something that's happening at home so that you can focus here, right? Or even maybe some some military careers, maybe firefighters. So having that ability to detach there, there could be some of that too. So type six, this is actually in both of our tri-types for both uh, sixes, the vigilant questioner loyalist, no red in this picture, but this is Ellen DeGeneres, uh, which is such a great example, right? As a talk show host, she gets to ask all the questions that she wants and really dig in there. So the strengths here, they're resourceful. There's a there's skepticism, uh, there's preciseness. They uh, are extraordinarily detail oriented and can be prepared in any crisis. These are your people you want to, you know, for crisis mode. Uh, they may read survival guides in their free time or troubleshoot. I just bought three. <laughs> I just ordered three survival guides. <laughs> from Case in <Amazon>. point. <laughs> Oh, that's yep. really funny. They do this. Yeah, so <laughs> they are the they are your strategists, your problem solvers. Uh, now, hearing that you just bought three because one's not good enough, the problem side or the blind spot of this can be that like worst case scenario. <laughs> uh, what might go wrong might be where we live, right? Again, the the head type is the um, safety and fear. Uh, they, you can get stuck in your endless questioning that, you know, over analysis type situation, which just takes up a lot of our mental energy. And we can confuse accurate information with the projection of our own fears. There's a little bit of that um, can happen at the blind spot. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. So in the workplace, sixes tend to go for more practical study jobs because they feel that sense of uh, safety. They're not likely to do startups um, or they feel that that might be a little risky. So that's interesting as you and I both chose more entrepreneurial type positions. Um, but they're often to point out red flags or play, play the devil's advocate. Uh, to make sure that their thinking is thought through. And so we we do need that at the workplace, right? We do need our sixes so that they can help us to not make costly mistakes because they will be the ones that will question, question, question. Yeah. Um, even though sometimes it can feel negative at sometimes, but. This is the part of me that I like the least. Mm -hmm. I this is the part of who I am that I am at most, I'm, I'm the most dissatisfied with because I feel like my six, um, she's got weights around my ankles. You know, she's saying, don't take that step yet. Don't go there yet. Make sure you dot, dot, dot. But she mm -hmm. also serves me very well because she's so detail oriented because she does run scenarios. Um, she's my go-to when something starts to go wrong. She's my, um, she has the playbook. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and it's noticing when you go into hypervigilant versus 
a healthy amount of it, right? That's the the tipping point, maybe. Maybe. Um, I like her the least, though. I will say that. And um, I, I need to learn to appreciate this part of myself more. And yeah, you're right. I think that someone who's as skeptical, as vigilant, as concerned about safety in the future as a six is, it's very rare that you would find them in business for themselves. But can I counter here and ask you, how long did it take you to launch your entrepreneurial journey? (laughs) Um, It was a side gig for a long time before I put it into practice. But I'll tell you, the mental depletion in my head is, should I not do it anymore? Should I go get a a full-time job? Because there's this false sense of security that, you know, sometimes, and I wrestle with it, uh, that if I go get that, that's safer somehow than, oh my gosh, am I going to make the money I need as an entrepreneur? And there's a part of me, I don't know if I'll ever be able to settle that. We'll see. I don't know if you can, I I would love to change this part of myself. I don't know if that's a healthy way of looking at this, but I would love to tone her in a little and be more comfortable taking risks in today's day and age. It's it's hard to, it's hard to embrace risks. We we don't know what's going to happen. All of a sudden there's crypto, right? I mean, what are we going to do with that? What's an NFT? Well, and so here, you know, the interesting pairing is, um, you know, they're living in the future of the what ifs, right? And then there's some other types that live in the the past, you know, and really it's this coming forth of how, how far down the path do we need to look? What can we let go of? And um, knowing that this part of you, that you are resourceful, right? That you you will figure it out. Is there a time that you've never not figured it out? Like even when you've had to be, I mean, even in this military career, right? Or the military spouse, like you have to be agile. Like it's not maybe great for our questioner who wants to like see plan A through Z, but yeah. at the same time, um, even when I did all the planning, it would be the plan that wasn't there, you know? So it's like, what am I going to just trust myself? Uh, that I, I will make lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's probably a better way to look at the six as instead of the, what if worrier, we're looking at the six as the, uh, what if opportunist. So they're looking at what could go right. Look at all of these things that could go right. So I think this part of me, that's, you know, I think my Oprah, my three, is what definitely drove me to creating VertForce and and launching this entrepreneurial journey. But it's definitely my Ellen, my type six, that's given me hope and said, look at all of the things that could go right if this works out. And that's such a good transition into our next slide or our last one, which is the Enneagram seven. This is our positive dreamer enthusiast, right? So this is our six could probably lean onto this a little bit, but the strength here is what's the next exciting adventure. Uh, they're full of ideas. They bring a lot of personality and joy to everything they do. They're very open-minded. They enjoy being on the move. Uh, and they really soak up life. Like you can see, like we have Robin Williams here as an example of someone who really soaks up life and, 
uh, you know, you can you can tell how in a lot of his movies, right, just how animated he was, so to say, um, and bringing that energy. They have a, a strength of turning negatives into positives. Like that's really, they're very fun to be around if you know any sevens in your life. <laughs> but the blind spots for them is that they have difficulty when called to confront a problem or deal with pain. Uh, they really resist dealing with the deeper emotions or the sticky situations because they kind of have this restlessness energy about them. So in the workplace, uh, careers that that pull them in kind of offer this endless supply of new experiences. That's what they like. Um, you know, like an idea around every corner. They like fast paced, every day is different kind of environments. Unlike our ones, who should, you know, like the small details, uh, they these they like to have think big and be creative. They they don't want to deal with the small details really too much. Uh, they're finding one seven. <laughs> Are you finding yourself more here too? No, I'm just wondering. Can you be a, like a one seven even you though they're polar opposites? Yeah, you can, and that would honestly probably be a very interesting pairing, right? Uh, to the right is wrong or wrong is right, and then also that. That's a good calling forth. I'll have to see uh, what pairings I, I have on those. Uh, but yeah, they they are your spontaneous. They're creative. They, you know, excellent at blank brainstorming, but really don't like the mundane aspects of life. Um, and again, they can ignore maybe important data that doesn't maybe fit into their positive frame because they have that tendency to turn the negative into a positive. Um, very like overly optimistic maybe and and could maybe be seen as superficial because they're so positive I actually know someone in my life who's just so positive uh, but that's just her and I've had to realize like no that is genuinely who she is right like not just Pollyanna on steroids a little no that's just she's so you know excited about life um, that that's where she is so ideal careers really do include entrepreneurship right that can be different every day uh is is really what you see here and then probably any of the creative ones we've talked about i love this thank you so much Kristen. so to just put it back in a frame where we see all of them this is really the underlining motivation of each type that drives your behavior and personality uh, so for example, mine is to keep the balance and be settled as a nine, whereas Kimber's is to have success and win. And as she's already said, when we talked about three, her definition of success and ambition has changed. And so, you know, even for me as a, as a more mature nine, my balance includes me, whereas before it didn't. I, I can remember where I was so busy creating harmony I think there was like five different Kristens around, like the one my family wanted, the one my work wanted, the one my relationships wanted. Um, and now those, you know, pulling it all back, right? I can include myself in, in, in the balance. And so that's what we're looking at is these and, and how to how to grow within. Yeah, and I think even though I said I wanted to change my six and that's the thing that I least like about myself right now, I think the actual true perspective is um, we're not trying to change our types. 
right? We're not trying to change who we are. The Enneagram helps us understand who we are and love who we are. So Kristen called it out, but for me as a three in my twenties, that ambitious taskmaster goal oriented person was really hard to be around and was not super likable and was stressed out all the time. And, um, even starting my entrepreneurial career still was struggling of being stressed out all the time and literally working seven days a week. There was a point where my husband told me you have to stop working so much. Like at some point you have to be a wife and I don't mean be a wife in like the traditional, uh, you know, 1950s Stepford wife situation. He was just like, you have to be a part of this relationship. So adjusting that and, and letting my three mature meant a lot to me and it's had a really positive impact on my life. So, um, Kristen, how do our listeners do the assessment? Yeah, so this is where um, you will you sign up with me. I will give you a link to um, a, a website page I have. If you're interested in knowing more, just go ahead and sign up. And I will give anyone who uh, can give me Kimber's Tri-Type a 20% discount off my package. And my package really is giving you the assessment, doing a 50 minute debrief with you and giving you your report. Um, and so I'll give you a discount on that. So, and, and I would love to help you get, you know, to bring back the language from the beginning, from your vice to your virtue, uh, which is really what we've been talking about here today. I love that. And if you want to mature your number, go through this progress with Kristen, tune in to our next episode because we're going to do uh, a personal kind of like one-on-one breaking down our own vices and virtues and turning those vices into virtues so you can see what the work looks like what the process of taking things that you don't necessarily love about yourself and um reframing it right Kristen that's great Yeah. So that's coming up in our next episode. And we're really excited for you to be a part of that conversation. If you want to connect with Kristen, we're going to pull all of this on screen right now. And in the notes, she's on LinkedIn as Kristen Earp. You can email her at hello at kristenerp.com. And you can also visit her website, kristenerp.com. So this has been another incredible installation of the Vert Force podcast. Um, As always, if you want to join the conversation, all you have to do is email me or email my team. Our podcast email where we have all of these fun conversations is podcast at vertforce.us. Also, if you appreciate this content, subscribe and give us a review. See you later. If you loved this content as much as I loved creating it for you, remember to subscribe. Want to get in touch? You can reach me at podcast at vertforce.us. All content in this episode is the intellectual property of Vertforce LLC.